This is Shakespeare Closely Read. I'm your host, Mark Naftal. In this podcast, I read the works of William Shakespeare and other authors in the public domain. In addition to reading these works in their entirety, I'll stop frequently to comment on the text, its meaning, and lessons to be drawn. This is a place for lovers of Shakespeare's words, words, words. I delight in the beauteous language. In belief that this beauty, we can find truth in how to live a virtuous life. I hope this podcast can help students understand Shakespeare better and how to appreciate his sometimes difficult language. Maybe you can use it to help you write papers or study for tests. Drop me an email at shakespeareclosely at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, alternative interpretations. I would like some help. So in this episode, we are going to be starting a new play, Julius Caesar, which will continue our uh, our reading of um, Shakespeare's Roman history plays. Um, and some preliminary research on my part um, sh- showed that uh, scholars think that Julius Caesar, in fact, was the first of his Roman history plays. Uh, but as I indicated before, I decided to go in historical order. So we finished up Coriolanus, uh, looking at that uh, history of the early Roman Republic. And now I suppose we're looking at the death of the Roman Republic uh, with Caesar's um, uh, ascension to power, assassination, and subsequent civil wars, um, which ushered in the more formal start of the of the empire uh, with Octavian, who became Caesar Augustus. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's start then. Julius Caesar, Act 1, Scene 1. Enter Flavius. Marullus and certain commoners, including a carpenter and a cobbler, on the over the stage. Flavius, hence home, you idle creatures. Get you home. Is this a holiday? What? No, you not being mechanical. You ought not to walk upon a laboring day without the sign of your profession. Speak. What trade art thou? Okay. So we see here in the beginning. I suppose Flavius is a patrician, and uh, we see still carrying over from Coriolanus, if you want to follow the historical uh, approach, that there's still the conflict between the upper class and the lower class there. And uh, mechanical uh, there, Flavius calls the, uh, uh, the lower class that it would be an artisan, I suppose we might might say, or a tradesman of some sort. Um, it's interesting, though, mechanical there. At least to my ears, it has the sound of saying he's not really completely human. Uh, being mechanical, you ought not walk. Um, that is, uh, I guess he doesn't even have the right to walk, but he's more of a automaton, we might say a robot or something like that, instead of being a, a full man. And without the sign of your profession, uh, that is, you know, I guess if he was a, a baker, he'd have a large uh, baking peel or something like that, or a maybe a cobbler with an awl, or uh, who knows what else, a farmer, maybe a pitchfork or whatever. So he's saying, hey, you should be going with the sign of that. Also, I suppose that could be a reference to the guilds and that uh, um, they would have a sign of their profession, uh, and that's how, how they'd be known. I saw an icon, a Western icon in the um, in from Western Europe, not an Eastern um, Orthodox icon, but of the West, uh, it was about it was the, the purpose of the icon was to show um, that we should keep the Sabbath holy and not work. And it showed various signs of occupation uh, injuring Christ, like um, 
say a, a tanner might have some of the tools that are used with tanning leather, hitting Christ and injuring him, and uh, a baker, like I said, a peel, hitting him. And um, oh yeah, there were other things like uh, those engaged in the woolen trade use sharp combs to carve the into um, to comb the wool out, and that was injuring Christ as well. So that might be the sort of thing which is going on here. Um, and a carpenter, well, who's the next one, might have a saw, something like their nails. Carpenter, why, sir, a carpenter? Marullus, wears thy leathern apron and thy rule, and be a, a ruler. Uh, what dost thou with thy best apparel on? You, sir, what trade are you? Cobbler, truly, sir, in respect of a fine workman, I am, but as you would say, a cobbler. Marullus, but what trade art thou? Answer me directly, cobbler. A trade, sir, that I hope I may use with a safe conscience, which is indeed, sir, a mender of bad souls. That's S-O-L-E-S. Um, but there is an obvious play there on souls, S-O-U-L-S. Flavius. What trade, thou knave, thou naughty knave, what trade? He's told him twice. Oh, well, whatever. Back to the text, cobbler. Now, I beseech you, sir, be not out with me. Yet if you be out, sir, I can mend you. That's, uh, I guess, like he had a soul in his shoes. He'd be out of his shoes. And Morellus. What meanest thou by that? Mend me, thou saucy fellow. Cobbler. Why, sir, cobble you. Flavius. Thou art a cobbler, art thou? Cobbler. Truly, sir, all that I live by is with thee all. Okay, all, A-L-L, that I live by is with the all, A-W-L. I meddle with no tradesman's matters, nor women's matters, but with all I am indeed, sir, a surgeon to all shoes. When they are in great danger, I recover them. As proper men ever trod upon neat's leather, have gone upon my handiwork, Flavius. But wherefore art thou not in thy shop today? Why dost thou not, why dost thou lead these men about the streets? Cobbler, truly, sir, to wear out their shoes, to get myself into more work. But indeed, sir, we make holiday to see Caesar and to rejoice in his triumph. Morellus, wherefore rejoice? What conquest brings he home? What tributaries follow him to Rome, to grace and captain bonds his chariot wheels? You blocks, you stones, you worse than senseless things. Oh, you hard hearts, you cruel men of Rome. Knew you not Pompey? Many in time and oft have you climbed up to the climbed up to the walls, up to walls and battlements, to towers and windows, yea, to chimney tops. Your infants in your arms, and there have set the live long day with patient expectation to see great Pompey pass the streets of Rome. And when you saw his chariot but appear, have you not made a universal shout? The Tiber trembled underneath her banks to hear the replication of your sounds made in her concave shores. And do you now put on your best attire, and do you now call out a holiday? And do you now strew flowers in his way? It comes in triumph over Pompey's blood. Be gone. Run to your houses, fall upon your knees, pray to the gods to intermit the plague that needs must light on this ingratitude. Okay, so uh, what Marullus is saying, and I suppose Flavius is uh, endorsing it as well, is that uh, the people of Rome should not be glad that Caesar's returning in triumph over another Roman. Um, that, you know, the triumphs, uh, you know, that's what the captives bonds, his chariot wheels, that the, the captives would be drugged back um, and drug along behind the chariot, you know, that had been won in conquest of Rome's enemies. But as Caesar's coming back from a civil war, um, and it was over Pompey there, who was his great rival. Indeed, he was called uh, Pompey the Great. So we see that to see great Pompey uh, pass the streets of Rome. Um, 
and the image there of the the river trembling underneath her banks to hear the replication of your sounds could be a bit of a play there on, on the Republic um, and her concave shores. That's a reference to the way the, the Tiber wound uh, through Rome um, over a triumph over Pompey's blood. As I recall, um, the actual history here is that um, um, Pompey had been defeated earlier, and then Pompey's sons, that's his blood, and made a rebellion as well uh, against Caesar, and then Mike, but where he'd come from. And to inter, intermit the plague, um, there's, we see the, the Roman belief that uh, uh, ingratitude or, or uh, blasphemy of any sort, which this Morales is here is, is saying that uh, it's an offense to the gods there, what the what they're doing uh, and that they would might suffer a plague uh, as a result of that flavius go go good countrymen and for this fault assemble all the poor men of your sort draw them to tiber banks and weep your tears into the channel till the lowest stream doth kiss the most exalted shores of all okay so he's saying go cry into the river um and that it would uh, go up to heaven or something, all of it, because they'd, they'd be uh, crying so much, uh, I guess, for Pompey. All the commoners exit. See wherever their basis metal be not moved. They vanish tongue-tied in their guiltiness. Go you down that way towards the capital. This way will I. Disrobe the images that you find them decked with ceremonies. Okay, reference there that... Uh, uh, Romans would put put festive clothes on clothes on statues when uh, when there was a trial for a holiday, and uh, they're going to say, Flavius is saying, tear the, the the festal robes off the off the statues. Morellus, may we do so? You know it is the feast of Lupercal, Flavius. It is no matter. Let no images be hung with Caesar's trophies. All about and drive away the vulgar from the streets. So do you too, where you perceive them thick. These growing feathers plucked from Caesar's wings. Well, wing will make him fly in ordinary pitch. Who else would soar above the view of men and keep us all in servile fearfulness? Okay, so they're saying that uh, uh, they take the images off the statues. Um, then it'd be feathers plucked from Caesar's wing and that he's flying up very, very high. Um, but they want to bring him back to earth. They exit in different directions. Scene two. Enter Caesar, Anthony for the course, Calpurnia, Portia, Decius, Cicero, Brutus, Cassius, Casca, a soothsayer. After them, Merlullus and Flavius and commoners. Caesar. Calpurnia. Okay, he's calling for his wife, Calpurnia, there. Casca. Peace, ho, Caesar speaks. Caesar. Calpurnia. Calpurnia. Here, my lord, Caesar. Stand you directly in Antonius' way, where he doth run his course. Antonius, Anthony, Caesar, my lord, Caesar, forget not in your speed, Antonius, to touch Calpurnia. For our elders say the baron touch it in this holy chase, shake off their sterile curse. Okay, so uh, Calpurnia didn't have um, a child. And um, the uh, thinking, the superstition, I suppose we would call it, is that during this feast of Lupercalia, which is actually a wolf reference there, um, 
the, the, the young men who were racing here, Anthony, even though it was not that, that young at the time, uh, if they touched a woman that she would uh, be able to conceive a child and Calpurnia had not had one. And I suppose, you know, if there was a barrenness in the marriage, it probably was from uh, Calpurnia because um, Caesar, in fact, had a child with Cleopatra, Caesarian. But that's that's another story. Uh, Anthony, I shall remember when Caesar says, do this, it is performed. OK, so we see Caesar acting there as a, as a dictator. What, and that's what the very meaning of dictator when he says, um, do this uh, Latin. It's uh, for speaking uh, and dictator of the same root it is performed caesar set on and leave no ceremony out so we see caesar there uh, behaving in a proper religious manner senate and i guess that'd be a trumpet blast soothsayer caesar come in to try to do the soothsayer voice here caesar huh, who calls casca bit every noise be still peace yet again caesar who is it in the press that calls on me? I hear a tongue shriller than all the music cries. Caesar, speak. Caesar is turned to hear. Okay, Caesar is almost like a Christ figure here. That you know the the crowd is calling out for him, and he's saying, "Who who, who is it?" Caesar, beware the Ides of March. Okay, famous line there, of course. Beware the Ides of March, and um, and here it is, the first one. Caesar, what man is that? And Brutus. A soothsayer bids you beware the eyes of March. Okay, so we see Casca and Brutus, who will become conspirators against Caesar here, are around him and uh, seem friendly to him. Caesar, set him before me. Let me see his face. Cassius, fellow, come from the throng. A soothsayer comes forward. And I've seen this uh, played where he's like plucking a bird, which actually I guess might might fit in with the... Uh, uh, the free, previous speech of, of Flavius and uh, Morellus that, you know, they're going to pluck um, the feathers from Caesar's wing. And um, that's how I saw it played with the Caesar, as we've said before, uh, in Rome, um, it was a popular belief that omens could be determined from looking at the inside of birds or their flights. So that's what, um, in that play, I think that was the, uh, uh, the movie version of Julius Caesar uh, that had uh, Marlon Brando in it. Caesar comes forward. Uh, look upon Caesar. Caesar, what sayest thou to me now? Speak once again. Caesar, beware the Ides of March. Caesar, he is a dreamer. Let us leave him. Pass. Senate, all but Brutus and Cassius exit. Okay. Um, yeah, I suppose this could be compared to Macbeth when the, the witches uh, give the prophecy and uh, Macbeth did heed them, but Caesar, it looks like, doesn't want to heed the soothsayer here. Cassius, will you go see the order of the course? That's the race he's talking about, Brutus. Not I, Cassius. I pray you do, Brutus. I'm not gamesome. Okay, he doesn't believe in sports. I do lack some part of that quick spirit that is an Anthony. Okay, quick there could mean lively, or it could mean, you know, quick as in a quick runner. Um, Back to the text, still Brutus. Let me not hinder Cassius your desires. I'll leave you, Cassius. Brutus, I do observe you now of late. I have not from your eyes that gentleness and show of love as I was wont to have. You bear too stubborn and too strange a hand over your friend that loves you. Okay, Cassius saying, hey, you're not as, as affectionate to me now as you used to be, Brutus. 
Cassius, be not deceived. If I availed my look, I turned the trouble of my countenance merely upon myself. Vexed I am, of late with passions of some difference, conceptions only proper to myself, which give some soil, perhaps, to my behaviors. Okay, so he's saying, hey, I'm just upset with myself. And it's soil, that's where the, the, the behaviors are, are planted in here. Back to the text, still where it is. Well, let not therefore, my good friends, be grieved, among which number Cassius be you one, nor construe any further my neglect, than that poor Brutus with himself at war forgets the show of love to other men, Cassius. Then, Brutus, I have much mistook your passion, by means whereof this breast of mine hath buried thoughts of great value, worthy contagions. Tell me, good um, Brutus, can you see your face? Brutus, no, Cassius, for the eye sees not itself, but by reflection, by some of the things. I guess it's like, like it's saying in a mirror, that's the reflection. Cassius, tis just, and is very much lamented, Brutus, that you have no such mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye, that you might see your shadow. Okay, so everybody says, you know, Brutus is a, a very worthy man here. And he's saying, uh, Cassius saying, oh, you, know, you should see your own worth. Back to the text, O Cassius. I have heard where many of the best respect in Rome, except immortal Caesar, speaking of Brutus and groaning underneath this age's yoke, have wished that noble Brutus had his eyes. Okay, so we see the mention there um, of Caesar and that uh, Brutus is like the considered by everybody to be the second um, most uh, important man in Rome. You could be planning, uh, Cassius might be trying to plant a seed there of, hey, Caesar's standing in your way. Uh, maybe you should be ambitious. Notice he called him immortal, Caesar. And Cassius, I suppose, already has in mind killing of Caesar there, so he's anything but immortal. And I think at this point, too, Caesar had not claimed any divine honors that came after his death. Um, but again, it could be a foreshadowing and maybe, you know, Shakespeare is, is sort of setting the ground here that uh, Caesar, in fact, is so ambitious, he wants to become a god, uh, even there. Um, groaning underneath this age's yoke, um, Cassius there, I suppose, is, is, re is referencing that, uh, um, let's see, many of the best respect in Rome, groaning under this age's yoke. So that would be Caesar himself that they would be groaning under. Uh, back to the text, Brutus. Into what dangers would you lead me, Cassius, that you would have me seek into myself for that which is not in me? Okay, so Brutus seems to see understanding where he's going. Dangers, it, it's a conspiracy, Cassius. Therefore, good Brutus, be prepared to hear. And since you know you cannot see yourself so well as by reflection, I, your glass, that's his mirror, will modestly discover to yourself that of yourself which you yet know of. And be not jealous on me, gentle Brutus. Okay, a little alliteration there, gentle, jealous and gentle Brutus. Were I a common laughter or did use to stale with ordinary oaths my love, ordinary oaths alliteration, my love to every new protester. If you know that I do fawn on men and hug them hard and after scandal them, or if you know that I profess myself in banqueting to all the rout then hold me dangerous. Flourish and shout, Brutus. What means of shouting? I do fear the people choose Caesar for their king. Okay, so Cassius is getting what he wants there. And um, 
the Brutus family was known as the protectors of, uh, of Rome's liberty. And uh, king was the last thing that, uh, that a Roman would ever want. Even after the time of the emperors, they prided themselves on having no king. And they came up with the title of emperor just really to avoid saying that they had a king, which they did in all but name. Um, let's see, choose Caesar for their, for their king, Cassius. I do you fear it? Then must I think you would not have it so, Brutus? I would not, Cassius, yet I love him well. But wherefore do you hold me here so long? What is it you that you would impart to me? If it be aught towards a general good, set honor in one eye and death in the other, and I will look on both indifferently. Okay, so um, he's saying that um, honor is on one hand and death in the other, and that Brutus looks on them both indifferently. Um, now, that doesn't mean um, that, uh, it doesn't mean he doesn't care. It means he sets them at the both. And Brutus is sort of seen as a Stoic here. And the Stoics had the idea that um, uh, you should be able to uh, look on things without without passion um, and not be, be swayed by, by emotions on things. And that's how... Uh, Brutus seems to be looking at it that you you can't care about things that you uh, you can control. But that's that's all. Both indifferently. For let the gods so speed me as I love the name of honor more than I fear death. Okay, so Brutus is an honorable man. Uh, there we see a foreshadowing, perhaps, of uh, of Anthony's great speech. Cassius, I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, as well as I do know your outward favor. Well, honor is the subject of my story. I cannot tell what you and other men think of this life, but for my single self, I'd I as life not not be as lived to be in awe of such a thing as I myself. I was born free as Caesar, so were you. We both have fed as well, and we can both endure the winter's cold as well as he. For once upon a raw and gusty day, the troubled tide Tiber chafing with her shores, Caesar said to me, Dare thou, Cassius, now leap in with me into the up, into this angry flood and swim to yonder point. Upon the word, account, account, accoutred as I was, I plunged it in and bade him follow it. So indeed he did. The torrent roared, and we did buffet it with lusty sinews, throwing it aside and stemming it with the hearts of controversy. But ere we could arrive, the point proposed, Caesar cried, Help me, Cassius, or I sink. And as Aeneas, our great ancestor, did from the flames of Troy upon his shoulder the old Anchias bear. Okay, so um, that's really from a tale from the Aeneid, if you will. Uh, Romans um, uh, thought in, in uh, Virgil uh, put this in the Aeneid that uh, their their Romans were descended from Trojans uh, fleeing from the the fall of Troy and specifically Aeneas and put his father um, on his back to uh, to escape to escape Troy. The old Anchias Anchias bear so from the waves of Tiber did I the tired Caesar, okay, Tiber tired Caesar uh, there and. Uh, Cassius is, in essence, saying, I saved his life. Of course, he's about to propose taking it. Back to the text, still Cassius. And this man has now become a god. Okay, that's a reference again to the immortal um, Caesar. Uh, I say, I don't think he had claimed titles divine at that point, but maybe some of the people were saying that. 
And Cassius is a wretched creature and must bend his body of Caesar carelessly, but not on him. He had a fever when he was in Spain. And when the fit was on him, okay, Caesar was said to have epilepsy. That's the reference to the fit there. I did mark how he did shake. Tis true, this god did shake. His coward lips did from their color fly, and that same eye whose bend doth all the world did lose his luster. Okay, so he's saying uh, Caesar wasn't so great, and uh, coward lips, uh, that's uh, uh, turning white, uh, if you will. And he's uh, seeming to, to put a, um, a slur on him that Caesar's really a coward. Back to the text, still Cassius. I did hear him groan, I, and that tongue of his that bade the Romans mark him and write his speeches in their books. Alas, it cried, give me some drink, Titanius, as a sick girl. You gods, it does amaze me, a man of such feeble temper should so get the start of the majestic world and bear the palm alone. Okay. Um, uh, palm, I guess, was seen as a emblem of office there. The, uh, Romans usually had uh, consuls. Uh, there were two. You know, that they didn't even want one man to bear uh, the office, so they had two consuls. But uh, Caesar is dictator. I think he might have been dictator for life at this point. Uh, he had no colleague. Um, but whatever. So Cassius is uh, um, saying he knew him when he wasn't so uh, acting so majestic. Shout flourish. Brutus, another general shout. I do believe that these applauses are for some new honors that are heaped on Caesar, Cassius. Why, man, he does bestride the narrow world like a colossus. And we petty men walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. Cassius would end up that way. Men at some time are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves that we are underlings. Okay, another um, famous line there. Uh, the fault is not in our stars, but in ourselves. That is, uh, um, it's not astrology or fate or whatever. That um, we ourselves are responsible uh, for that. Back to the text, still Cassius. Brutus and Caesar. What should be in that Caesar? Why should that name be sounded more than yours? Write them together. Yours is a fair name. Sound them. Doth become the mouth as well. Weigh them. It is as heavy. Conjure with them. Brutus will start a spirit as soon as Caesar. Okay, so neither will, obviously. But uh, um, I think what he's saying is, you know, they're again sort of appealing to Brutus's uh, honor, if not his ambition. Um, there in the, uh, the previous few lines um, seem sort of like Romeo and Juliet now. What is in, what is in Romeo? Okay, um, back to the text, still Cassius. Now in the names of all the gods at once, upon what meat did this our Caesar feed, that he has grown so great? Age, thou art shamed. Rome, thou hast lost the breed of noble bloods. Okay, and the, the Brutus family, um, I think uh, Cassius is appealing to Brutus's sense of his, of his pride in his family. Um... When went there by an age since the great flood, but it was famed with more than than with one man. What could they say till now that taught of Rome that her wide walks encompassed but one man? Now is it Rome indeed and room enough when there is in it but one only one only man? Or you and I have heard our fathers say there was a Brutus once, 
that would have brooked the eternal devil to keep his state in Rome as easily as a king. Brutus. That you do love me, I am nothing jealous. Which you would work me to do, I have some aim. Okay, so Brutus knows where Cassius is going with this. Back to the text of Brutus. How I have thought of this, and of these times I shall recount hereafter. For this present I would not, so with love I might entreat you, be any further moved. What you have said I will consider. What you have to say I will with patience hear, and find a time, both meet to hear and answer such high things. Till then, my noble friend, chew upon this. Brutus had rather be a villager than to repute himself a son of Rome under these hard conditions as this time is like to lay upon us. I am glad that my weak words have struck but this much show of fire from Brutus. Okay, weak words there have struck. They're, uh, it's like a flint and steel, I suppose. Uh, that um, He's saying weak words, but um, he's he wants to get a spark, show of fire uh, from Brutus. And of course, a spark can lead to a great fire, as we might see here. Enter Caesar in his train. Brutus, the games are done, and Caesar is returning. Cassius, as they pass by, plus pluck Casca by the sleeve, and he will, after his sour fashion, tell you what hath proceeded worthy note today. Okay, so uh, uh, that's uh, we're we're about at our half hour, our witching hour. So uh, I think at this point we will draw to a close, and we'll pick up their time with uh, with Brutus seeing Caesar. Until then, adieu.